Presented by Krylon and Danco. And now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Here to help you with your home improvement projects, pick up the phone and help yourself first by calling us at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Hey, are you knee-deep in your spring cleaning projects? How's that going? Well, it's probably not going well If your vacuum perhaps is not doing its job. So this hour, we're going to have some easy troubleshooting tips to help you make sure that your vacuum does the job it needs to do so that you can get your house nice and clean. And also ahead, has this ever happened to you? You know, you're right in the middle of a really great shower, super warm water. You're getting ready to start the day. And then all of a sudden, it's like either super freezing or crazy hot. Well, that's known as shower shock. That's right. We've termed this a, for real term, (laughs) shower shock. And it's actually a problem with your shower valve. So we're going to share with you the step-by-step solution coming up. And speaking of shower valves, there are some plumbing fixtures with looks that never go out of style, especially the look, the charm, and the quality of older plumbing fixtures, sort of the retro fixtures. Now, you can recycle them to use again in a bath or a kitchen, or perhaps even use them in a completely different way. We'll have some tips on how to do just that coming up in just a bit. And this hour, we're giving away a six-slice convection oven from Black & Decker. It's big enough for six pieces of toast or a nine-inch pizza. A prize worth $70 going out to one caller drawn at random from those we speak to on today's show. So pick up the phone. Let's get to it. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Scott in Michigan is on the line with a garage door that just loves to stay frozen shut. Tell us what's going on. Uh, We have uh, half of our basement is our garage. Uh, So on Three sides, there's two sides of dirt, one side is the house, and then above is the house. Uh, cars, we park two cars in there in the winter. Snow melts off the cars, ends up uh, freezing the doors to the ground. Uh, so we end up salting and, you know, getting the ice gone and having to shovel it back out. What kind of a seal do you have on the bottom of the garage doors? They are old school wood doors, so they just have like a rubber seal on the bottom. Uh, nothing fancy, but the, since there's no center drain, it's, slope for the water to drain out the front of the doors. Uh, have you thought about replacing those rubber gaskets? Uh, yep, and we're actually, that's what we're kind of at the thing where we need to replace the doors because they're getting in worse shape every year. But we don't want to put the money into the doors if we're just going to, you know, put new seals on it. We're just going to hold the water inside then. Well, I mean, rubber gaskets um, are designed not to stick to ice, so that might solve part of the problem here. And if you're thinking about new doors, just replacing the gaskets, if you want to buy yourself a year year or so, is not going to add to a, a big expense. You know, we're talking about probably $20, $30 in gasket material here, and you can do the job yourself. But do you think that would just hold the water inside and then it would just be a ice dam inside and freeze? No, it's not that much of a gasket. It, it'll it'll let the water run wherever the water runs, wants to run. It just I don't think the doors will stick to it as well. But how is the water gets in how is it gonna get outside? If the water is just sitting there, you're gonna you're there's gonna be no way for you to drain it and have it run outside. One thing that you could do is you could you could add garage tiles to the floor. Garage tiles are a floor made specifically for garages that uh, sit up about a half inch or so off of the floor or three quarters inch off of the floor. And those are good because the water will drain through the tiles and kind of sit below them until it evaporates away. There's a lot of different styles and colors online. 
and they can actually be quite attractive and look kind of cool as well. Okay. Thank you. Scott, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Next up, we've got Judy on the line who needs some help with a wood floor. What can we do for you? Uh, we are purchasing a house which is under construction, and we chose hardwood floors. It is my understanding these will be glued down type and not floated. I would like to know especially uh, what's the best way to care for them, especially in the kitchen. And I have heard of people using steam to clean them, and that's something that is new to me. Can you enlighten me? The only type of glued-down floor that I'm aware of is a parquet floor. Now, if that's not the case, I would like to know what what product exactly they're putting down. I will say that most likely most of these hardwood floors today are pre-finished. And if they're pre-finished, my quick answer is you follow the manufacturer's uh, recommendations for maintenance. Whether you use steam or not, those steam mops, I have some concerns about them because they do get so hot that if they are held in one place for too long, they couldn't cause the wood to swell. But but maybe if they're used carefully and without on the highest level of steam, they probably are, are okay for, for hardwood floor maintenance and cleaning. All right. Well, thank you very much. Hope that helps you out. Thanks so much for calling us, Judy, at one eight 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 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, the Easter holiday is right around the corner. So if you're celebrating with your friends and your family, let us know. Maybe you've got a project at your Money Pit that you need to tackle before the big feast. We're here to give you a hand 24 hours a day, seven days a week at one eight 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 Money Pit. 888-666-3974. Up next, when your vacuum doesn't suck, it kind of sucks, but it's not hard to figure out the problem. <laughs> We're going to have some easy vacuum cleaner troubleshooting tips after this. You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is presented by Foundry Specialty Siding. Foundry Vinyl Cedar Siding gives your home the beauty of real cedar shake without the hassles and worries that come with wood siding. Foundry, unsurpassed beauty and strength. Find out more at foundrysiding.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. One caller we talked to on the air this hour is going to win a Black & Decker 6-slice convection oven worth $70. It offers an energy-efficient approach to cooking and an incredibly large capacity so you can toast, broil, and bake more food at once. All right, learn more at blackanddeckerappliances.com. And everything's spelled out. That's black and and com, or you can call for your chance to win one right now at 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Bill in Texas is on the line and looking for some help with a marble countertop. What's going on at your Money Pit? We built the house in 87 and moved in, and since then, several of our bathroom countertop sinks, they're a one-piece deal that were made out of what was termed man-made marble. So I'm sure it's a plastic base, but uh, any about a about an inch thick, and they've over the years been cleaned improperly with some abrasive cleaners. And I'm wondering if there's anything I can do to address the scratches. So that sounds like some sort of a composite, and it probably has a surface glaze on it. And my concern is that the glaze is worn, and you try to do any sort of polishing of that, you may end up 
getting into the substrate. And I've seen what that substrate looks like because there was a time when I used to actually uh, build kitchen cabinets and build vanity cabinets. And sometimes folks would order those pre-made one-piece composite sinks, and we've had to cut them. And that surface glaze is not very thick. So if the damage to the surface, I don't think there's anything that you could do to clean it, so to speak, that's going to pull that out. It's really a replacement situation. If it was truly marble, then you could polish it out and, and get below what you're seeing in terms of the stains and the scratches. But if it's a composite marble, like what you're describing, I don't think you're going to be able to restore that surface. The good news is that those tops, those cast tops, are really not that expensive. You may want to just take a look at replacing it. I mean, I think we're less than 100 bucks, generally speaking. It depends on the size of the vanity, but I just did a 60-inch, you know, double sink top that was like one thing with the molded sinks, and it was like $189. Yeah, so not a lot of money for the for, to replace those countertops. Okay, well, thank you. You're welcome, Bill. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right, now we've got Lynn in Colorado, who's got a tricky, leaky shower. Let's see if we can help her find it. I had a plumber come out once, and he said the pipe and the bottom where it comes out of the shower doesn't always hook up right. So he siliconed it, and it didn't leak. But now, once in a while, it's leaking again. Of course, it's upstairs, so I see it on a ceiling. And I'm wondering, is there some kind of a liner you can put down the pipe like they do for sewage lines that go out. Are you talking about the supply pipes or are you talking about the shower stall? I'm talking about the stall, the uh, drain pipe. Do you have a, is it a tile shower pan or is it a uh, like a plastic shower? Yeah, it's one of the insert ones. Those pans can develop cracks in them and you have to figure out where that crack is. One way to try to figure out uh, at least how high on the pan the crack is is if you block the drain of the pan and fill it up with water and see if it leaks. If it doesn't leak, then the pan's fine. The next thing you have to do is move up with your sort of uh, analysis, and now you're going to get into the seams of it. If you've got existing caulk, what I would recommend as a first step is to remove that caulk using caulk softener, and that will allow you to strip out everything that's there and start clean with some new good quality bathroom caulk that's got a mildicide uh, built into it. And I would just caulk very carefully every single seam and also around uh, all the pipes and the faucets and the fixtures where they come through. Because sometimes you get direct leaks where water fills up in the pan and leaks. And a lot of times, though, with showers, you'll get leaks when the water bounces off your body, hits one of those seams, works its way in behind the wall and down. So I would take out the existing caulk, re-caulk it, and check the shower pan for leaks. And somewhere in that analysis, you'll probably figure out what's going on. Okay. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Is your vacuum cleaner, you know, working pretty well right now? Is it sucking the appropriate amount in a good way? Or are you finding that your vacuum is just plain acting up? Well, the fix might actually be easier than you think. You've got to start with the suction. Is the suction on the vacuum poor or maybe even not happening at all? Well, if that is the issue, you may actually have a clog in the hose, the bag, or the filter. And if you've got a canister one, it could be full or maybe just need to be replaced or emptied. This is really like a problem-solving situation, right, Tom? That's right. So to diagnose it, one question you might note is, are you hearing any sort of sort of funny noise or vibration? And if that's the case, first try to find out where the noise is coming from. Now, if it sounds like it's coming from the motor area, it might very well be a broken fan blade. 
but if the noise is coming from the brush area, then it could be a defective brush roller bearing or the brush roller itself. If either is defective, you will need to replace it. Now, if your vacuum is just hard to push, it might actually have a broken or just a worn belt, or it may have just simply come off the motor spindle. Finally, if your vacuum has that burning rubber smell, it could actually be coming from the belt itself. So you need to check the brush rollers for obstruction, clear away any hair or carpet fibers, which we all know builds up on there. And it's kind of a fun chore to pull it all off and then watch it get sucked up the vacuum. Now, if the brush roller is spinning freely with the belt removed, you can actually reinstall the belt and then test the vacuum and see if it's operating okay. And if you find that you need to replace the vacuum cleaner's belt, buy two and tape the extra one to the vacuum handle. This way it's always there and handy the next time your belt breaks because you know it will. They're cheap. They're worth having an extra always on hand. And for more troubleshooting tips, we've got them all listed online. Just visit moneypit.com and search vacuum cleaner repair. All right, now we've got Chris from Tennessee on the line who just put in a new septic tank and needs some help with the yard work. What can we do for you? Uh, yes, uh, we had some people to come and put our septic tank in about five years ago, and the yard looked great when they got done with it. Now we've got a bunch of sinkholes and a bunch of hills in the backyard, and I just want to know the best way to fix that without messing up the assetment tank and messing up the water lines and stuff. So is the distribution field in the area where all these sinkholes are in this depression? Yes, sir. So you got to be really careful because you don't want to put any heavy equipment over that because you can crush those pipes. So you can add topsoil on top of that, but I wouldn't go over it with anything heavier than a wheelbarrow full of dirt. Okay. And so I would fill them in by hand, and I would rake that out, and I would reseed it. The good news is that it... It will probably grow quite quite nicely being over the septic field, but I would be careful not to put anything heavy equipment-wise into that area because you can crush the pipes and then you're going to have a bigger problem. All right. Well, thank you all for your question, and I listen to you all every day, and you all were great. All right. Thanks, Chris. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Lori in South Carolina, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I live in a house that is um, about 35 years old. It's built in the, well, it's older than that. But anyway, it's built in the 70s. And um, the tile in the bathroom, I just can't get the mold off. And I've tried every product under the sun. And I'm hoping that you might have a recommendation for me. We do. It's called Wet and Forget. And it's a product that uh, was typically used only outside the house. But now they've reformulated for use um, as a mold and mildew remover for your bath and your shower. And the way this stuff works is you basically spray it on and you do it once a week and you don't have to scrub or wipe. And it chemically basically kills the mold and kills the mildew and cleans the shower. So you don't really have to do anything. Go to their website at wetandforget.com and look at the shower product. Okay, wonderful. Bud's online with the Money Pit looking to convert a garage to some living space. Tell us about the project. Well, actually, it's already been converted by some real amateur people. Okay. And uh, it uh, has, I believe, 24-inch on center studs all over and no insulation. And I'm looking to possibly, I don't want to disturb what drywall is there because I've got all the ceilings and the walls that were messed up by these people. Okay. Uh, They turned the gas off and it froze and water broke and bad damage everywhere. But anyway, I need to get, uh, if you have a, a source of a low expansion um, insulation, foam insulation. Well, you're going to have to use a blown-in insulation. 
I don't think there's a low expansion foam, if that's what you're asking us. I think what you have to do is you have to use a blown-in to get insulation behind those walls. That's your only option right now. I don't see a way around that unless you want to take that drywall down and do it right. And frankly, the cost of the blown-in is, um, for a small job like that, might be pretty expensive. It, It could possibly make sense to take that drywall down. But you would blow that in, and you blow it in under pressure so that it's set. It, it, it basically fills up the whole cavity. Usually there's two holes, one in the middle and one towards the top, that assures that it gets all the way up there. But I think blown in is, is probably the way that you have to go. Now, you're only going to need to insulate the walls that are over exterior, that are exterior walls. If it's a wall between the house and the garage, that you would not have to insulate because that would already have been insulated. I think your advice is good. I'll just uh, probably have to rip all the drywall down and just quit. Sometimes it's uh, you know it's hard to uh, put lipstick on a pig, so to speak. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I thought maybe you had some lipstick advice. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we're heading over to Delaware where Margie has a crawl space question. What can we help you with? I'd like to know if you should put plastic on the ground underneath your house. You have like a three foot so you can climb under there. Should we lay plastic on that for a barrier for moisture barrier underneath that like a ranch house what's the is it underneath the entire house or is it just under a certain area no it's underneath the entire house so you can crawl under and someone said you should put plastic on top of the dirt now are you having any moisture issues inside the house uh, not really we were just thinking it would be a good idea to do that now generally with an enclosed crawl space or one that's you know smaller scale to an entire home we would always recommend putting down sort of a plastic sheathing and you want to fill the entire space and in areas where you do have to have seams you want to make sure that you overlap you know a good foot or two so that it really lays down nicely um now tom would you do that if it's under the entire house yeah i put it down across the crawl space floor along the entire house because it stops the moisture in the soil from wicking up and evaporating up into the air and then getting the insulation damp and making it ineffective so it's always a good idea to have it's called a vapor barrier and have that down on top of that soil surface you also want to check the exterior though to make sure that your gutters are clean the downspouts are extended it's part of a of a moisture management solution. It's not just, you know, one-off. You want to make sure you're limiting the amount of moisture that actually gets to that, you know, the dirt or the soil underneath the crawl space. So if you make sure that your gutters are extending away from the house, you know, a good three feet or so, um, and not depositing the water back towards that crawl space, you know, any sort of planting bedded areas, you want to make sure that that soil slopes away. You just want to do your best that you can to move the moisture away. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Still ahead, you know, it seems a shame to just toss lovely looking but just old plumbing fixtures. We're going to tell you how you can reuse them and even repurpose them after this. Hey, this is Adam Carolla, and when I'm not swinging a hammer, I'm catching up on the Money Pit with Tom and Leslie. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. Money Pit. 
making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. On air and online at moneypit.com and also at Facebook. Go there, visit the Money Pit's Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Money Pit and get in on our Go Green for Earth Day sweeps. We're giving away $1,000 in prizes from Staples to one lucky winner. And this includes $500 worth of Sustainable Earth products by Staples. Yeah, it's an eco-friendly line that helps you lessen your impact on the environment. And it includes everything from office supplies to cleaning products. Just like our page at Facebook.com slash The Money Pit to enter. And don't forget, if you share the sweepstakes with your friends, you will receive bonus entries. Good luck, guys. 888 or give us a call right now. We will bonus you with the answer to your home improvement question. John in Minnesota needs some help cleaning siding. Tell us what kind of siding you've got. Hi, I have a steel siding. And what's going on with the siding? Well, I have a white house. It just looks dirty. It's, yeah, I want something to spray on it to clean it and kind of do a spray and forget, no power washer. Okay, like you're talking about like wet and forget? Wet and forget is for... Mold, mildew, moss, and algae. Is that what's on the siding? No, it's just standard dirt. Well, I mean, the nice thing about a pressure washer is that you can get to tall places without a ladder. Sort of that, you're going to have to use a good detergent and a scrub brush on a long sort of broom handle. I mean, there's no easy way to do this, John. If you don't want to use the power cleaning tools, you're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way with a lot of elbow grease. Okay. That sums up my question. All right. Well, that's, I mean, that that's basically it. You need to get up there with the soap and water and brush and scrub it gently. If you already can use a pressure washer, even if you don't have one, you could rent one. You could use it on a very light setting and probably blast off a lot of that dirt. Now, if you find that the dirt is off, but it still looks dingy, and because it's steel siding, you might want to consider repainting it. Okay. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Going green is great, but when it comes to recycling old, classic plumbing fixtures, does it make sense? Well, the answer to that is, it depends. And here to explain why is this old house heating and plumbing contractor, Richard Trithui. Welcome, Richard. Hey, guys. Nice to see you. So, reusing old plumbing fixtures, finding old plumbing fixtures, buying them on eBay and places like that, finding them in recycling yards, it's a pretty popular thing to do these days. I think folks just don't want to give up the look and the quality of some of that old work. But there might be some issues when it comes to actually getting them working again, right? Yep. I mean, it's very romantic to think about getting a beautiful old sink, a beautiful toilet, a a tub up on legs. But you got to be careful about current codes. Some of the old sinks never had a thing called an overflow, and that was an integral uh, drain inside of it. So if you left the water running with the stopper in, the water wouldn't continue right over the bowl. And so some local codes won't let you use that. you got to be careful if some local codes want you to have a backflow preventer on any tub that has a hand shower and stuff like that. So there's some modern things that may have to be added. Or there may be some code restrictions that say you can't even use it. And it really is a local jurisdictional issue. There are some states and codes that will not let you reuse a secondhand toilet, no matter how much you love it, too. You know, they're, <laughs> they're also trying to save energy, I mean water. So they're going to enforce a low gallon per flush code. So be careful of that. And then uh, I've seen people, they go out and get a beautiful old cast iron sink. It must weigh 200 pounds. Right. But they don't have that original wall bracket to hold it on the wall so that uh, it ends up on the floor 
<laughs> you get it in. Yeah. You're not going to find that in the aisle of the home center, will you? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it won't be built like the old days, as they say. Yeah. And a toggle bowl is not going to help when the sink weighs right. 200 pounds. <laughs> right. Right. But it is worth the fight. You know, some of these old fixtures, they just belong in some of these classic American homes. You know, you just... Uh, but I will, I will also caution you, some of the manufacturers have made reproduction uh, of old-looking Fox uh, fixtures. That really that looks really, like it, yeah. yeah. Are there certain pieces that you would really want to seek out that could complete that historical look? You know, is it better to look for a faucet to make a modern appliance, you know, a modern sink look more historic? Or, you know, is there a certain thing that might give it that historic detail? I mean, when you walk in these grand, beautiful, older bathrooms, your eye is generally drawn to that big, beautiful pedestal, you know, laboratory sink, big and proud sitting right there. And then they always had a separate hot and a separate cold faucet. You'd go from scalding your hands to being ice-cold water. And what would be great is if you can modify that sink such that you could add a more modern faucet so you could have a hot and a cold handle that come to a center spout and at least give you the modern convenience. But that you have to make sure you you find the right beautiful pedestal that has the three holes in it. Yeah, and that's the key because you can't always find those replacement parts. I mean, I have a personal story about this. It's not exactly a historic fixture, but uh, when I purchased my home, it had a 1960s or so American Standard Ventaway toilets. Do you remember those toilets, Richard? They're, oh, yeah. Sure, I do. They're supposed to vent uh, and take the fumes out without even turning the fan on. Yeah. And they had extra holes right. in the bowl. And so when you went to replace the valves, of course, you couldn't find them. And I remember that my fix for that was a rubber stopper and some silicone caulk, just covering the, bo- the extra yeah. hole in the bottom of the tank to be able to make it work. So sometimes you got to be a little creative when you get these these fixtures and these faucets because you're not going to find the parts. It wasn't quite the Ventaway feature that the engineers originally designed when you plugged it up like that, Tom. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And believe me, the next project I did after that was to install the exhaust fan in the bathroom for the safety and security (laughs) of my family. We're talking to Richard Trithui. He's the plumbing and heating contractor on TV's This Old House about recycling old plumbing fixtures. So, Richard, if we're looking to try to identify places to find these old fixtures and faucets, any suggestions there? Well, there are a lot of sources for finding these old fixtures. You know, you go to salvage yards. Who doesn't love gunking around in the salvage yard? There's always a big plumbing section that's got tons of these old faucets and plates off of the bathtubs and stuff like that. And there's also websites now that you can sort of see what's available and, you know, what can't you get on the web. So one is uh, com, and they've got all sorts of cool older stuff that you can uh, chase down and get. So where there's a will, there's a way. You just have to put a little bit of effort. And where there's a will, there's usually relatives. <laughs> Richard Trithui, the plumbing and heating contractor for TV's This Old House. Great advice on how to recycle old plumbing fixtures. Thanks, Richard. All right. Catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you by GMC. GMC. We are professional grade. Still to come, a freezing or scalding shock with your morning shower is no fun. Learn why this happens and how to fix it after this. You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is presented by Foundry Specialty Siding. Foundry Vinyl Cedar Siding gives your home the beauty of real cedar shake without the hassles and worries that come with wood siding. 
Foundry, unsurpassed beauty and strength. Find out more at foundrysiding.com. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And the number here is 888-MONEY-PIT. Now, one caller who asks us their question on the air this hour is going to win the Black & Decker 6-Slice Convection Oven. And it's worth 70 bucks. Now, it's really cool because it's got a one-touch function, which makes it really easy to use. And you can bake, broil, toast, or just simply keep food warm. And you can even fit a 9-inch pizza in there so you don't even need to fire up your range. Check it out at blackanddecker.com and call us now for your chance to win at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Well, it's probably happened to you at least once or twice. You're standing in your shower enjoying the warm water when all of a sudden, yikes, the water turns freezing cold or scalding hot. Yeah, that's an experience that can pretty much knock anybody off balance. The solution, however, is to install a pressure balance valve. Now, it works by adjusting the pressure changes in water that comes in through the hot and cold supply lines. A piston in your valve is going to automatically open or close to maintain a balance in the pressure, which in turn will keep that water flowing at an ambient temperature. No more spikes in temperature differences there. Pressure balancing valves are now required in new construction in most states, but installing one does require some plumbing work. You need to cut through the back of the wall where the faucets are located, but it's worth it. And here's a tip. If you are going to install one by cutting through the back of, say, a closet or something like that to get to the bathroom, don't necessarily permanently repair it when you put it back. Leave it as an access panel. This way, if you ever have a problem with the valve and need to replace it again or tend to a leak, it's easy to get in there. Oh, seriously, access panels are a necessity when it comes to any plumbing projects. Now, if you just simply don't want to get that involved, you can simply adjust your current valve, which is a fairly simple do-it-yourself project. First, you have to take off the hot water shower handle. There might be a screw on the end of the handle that needs to be removed before that handle is actually going to come off. Then you find the large valve stem. It should be directly behind the area where you just removed that handle from. There's going to be a screw attached to the valve system, and that screw actually controls the shower mix valve. Now, all you need to do is to turn the screw counterclockwise to release more hot water, and then clockwise to release less. Be sure to test the valve to see if the temperature is just right, then reattach the shower handle and replace the screw that holds the handle in place, and that's all you need to do. Getting that shower just right will mean you'll enjoy a warm shower without those cold or warm shower shocks. 888-666-3974. Let's get back to those phones. Leslie, who's next? Fonda in South Dakota, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? We are demolishing our old deck that leads to an old patio at the ground level. And um, the old patio has two substrates. You lead down to a plank patio. It's like wood, a two-by-sixes, I think, which is an awful shape. It's probably 30 feet by 30 feet. And then it butts up to a pretty substantial cement pad that's 20 feet by 20 feet. And we know we're going to demo the wood pad, but it's the question is, what do we put in? Do we have to chop up the old cement pad, which is in great shape because it's so substantial? Or can we put in another cement pad next to it for the new patio? Can you go over the old cement with something and stamp it or make it just... And then the other problem is it's, it's square, 
And I would like the new patio at the ground level to be rounder and curvier. One idea that I have straight off is to go over the old patio with brick pavers. And if the patio is flat and strong and solid, there's no reason you can't put pavers on top of that. And so you could basically create a do almost a patio makeover by preserving the concrete and putting brick pavers right over the concrete. They're all going to assemble together. You won't see them when they're done. Now, you mentioned changing the shape. That, of course, is a little more complicated because you're going to have to build up to the edges. Part of the patio would be uh, over concrete, and part of the patio would be over uh, traditional built-up stone, if that's possible. But if you want to avoid changing the shape, then it becomes a very easy project to do it with brick pavers. And, of course, you have lots and lots and lots of choices on shapes and colors and all of that that you, you could go with. And on the side that's not cement, what's under the brick pavers? On the side that's not cement, what's under the brick pavers is this. First of all, you dig out, obviously, all the grass and that sort of thing. Then you put down um, about four to six inches of uh, gray gravel. You tamp that down really, really, really well. Then on top of that, you lay some sand. Get that nice and flat. On top of that, you put the brick pavers, and then you put additional sand in between. But tamping and properly preparing that ground and tamping that stone really well is critical because if you don't, it gets all roly-poly over the years and weeds start to grow up through it. All right. Well, thank you. You're welcome, Fonda. Good luck with that project. Just in time for summer. 888-666-3974. Is your laminate countertop looking old and worn or just simply dinged up? Well, we can tell you how to bring new life to it after this. 888 This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are gearing up for one of our biggest annual events here at Team Money Pit, the National Hardware Show in Las Vegas. We're going to be bringing you all of the hot home improvement helpers from our top products pavilion right on the show floor. Check out all the top products online at moneypit.com and follow along on Twitter with the handle at moneypit. And be sure to use the hashtag TopProductsNHS. Yeah, we love this show. You know, manufacturers use it to roll out the coolest new products for the season. For example, Danco has a product called the Perfect Seal. And this is much more than a traditional wax ring for your toilet. It actually forces the wax into a critical sealing zone around the flange. So you're actually eliminating the chance, just the chance of having hidden leaks. So it's all about making life easier, seeing cool new products. Plus, Tom and I get to go to Vegas for a couple of days, which means (laughs) no kids. Yeah, little ones or big ones. Check it out online with our top products gallery and follow us at MoneyPid on Twitter. All right, let's head over to our community section now where we're going to answer some questions. And I've got one here from MagLady. She says she has a burn on a laminate countertop near the end and near a seam. Now, because of this location, she figures this could be fixed, but not sure how. I wonder why she figures that. I mean, are you thinking that you can actually replace a piece of the laminate? Well, it's true that you can pull off laminate. There is actually a solvent that will break down the contact cement and allow you to pull off damaged pieces of laminate and put one back on. But, of course, that's a big repair job, and it presumes that you're going to need 
that you're doing to have access actually to that uh, same laminate material. Now, if it's something more limited, like a, a small burn, you may be able to sand it out and fill it. There are patching compounds for laminates. They're never going to match 100%. They're always going to look like a bit of a repair, but perhaps it's not in that obvious an area. Short of that, you're kind of stuck here. I will tell you, though, that you can relaminate a laminate countertop. I've done this a number of times with laminate that got worn. I simply pulled the countertop off of the kitchen counters and then added another new layer of laminate on top of that and trimmed it to fit. If you're handy enough to do that yourself, um, that's also a good way to go. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome because laminate today is available in so many different beautiful colors, styles, finishes. I mean, you've really got a lot of choices. All right, now let's take a question from Bug Lady. Wait, does she know Mag Lady? Maybe, <laughs> maybe they're sisters. I mean, how funny. It's so funny we got these two questions in a row. All right, well, Bug Lady says there's water getting into her garage because the garage is lower than the area surrounding it and water runs in. Well, look, if you've got a drainage issue and you've got water that is getting into the garage, you've got to catch that water and run it around the garage. How you do that depends on where the water is coming in. If it's coming, for example, down a driveway, you can put in a driveway drain, which is sort of like a drain that's cut across the entire driveway surface where the water falls in, runs around it. If it's the other sections of the yard, you can use a curtain drain, which does the same thing. Catches the water sort of in a trench, flows into a pipe, and then runs to lower ground and away from your garage. If the water's allowed to collect around the garage, it will get drawn up through that concrete and saturate that surface. So catch it and divert it. Yep, that'll do it. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. That's all the time we have. If you got questions 24-7, though, you can reach us at 888-MONEY-PIT or post your questions at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.